Hello and welcome to the Forest We Want podcast. I am Elle Island, and I've been working with my friend and colleague Steve Jelliot over the last few months to really capture the essence of the Forest of Dean and to create some content that will hopefully spark debate surrounding the forest becoming a UNESCO-designated biosphere reserve. Now, a UNESCO biosphere is an internationally recognised reserve and it places education and sustainable development at the centre of wildlife conservation, which is exactly the kind of approach that's necessary in a forest that's been so lived in and so worked as the Forest of Dean. As you'll hear throughout these interviews, it is no good applying a one-size-fits-all approach to nature conservation as we often have in the past. It's absolutely essential that we first recognise the current state of the Forest of Dean with regards to the health and variety of habitats it contains, the quality of the ecosystems that benefit from those habitats, and the enterprise and business which thrive in and around the forest. Once we have a global understanding of these very complicated and nuanced networks in the Forest of Dean, we can tailor our efforts to suit the needs of the forest today and in the face of future challenges such as global warming. So that's the basic concept of a UNESCO biosphere. And if you're interested in finding out more, I would really recommend taking a look on the UNESCO biosphere site. You can just Google UNESCO Biosphere Reserve to find out more. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I would also like to invite you to complete our survey to let us know what you think about the potential for the Forest of Dean to become a biosphere. You can find the link to this in the description of this podcast episode. Today, we'll be hearing from Kevin Stannard of Forestry England. Kevin is deeply concerned about the future of the forest in the context of our biodiversity crisis and climate crisis. Now, most people these days have heard of the climate crisis, but the biodiversity crisis is one that many people will be less familiar with. In short, the biodiversity crisis refers to the loss of species, be it plant, mammal, fish, bird, fungi, everything. At the moment, around the world, we're losing species at a devastating rate, higher than ever before in human history. In this episode, Kevin discusses the evidence of the biodiversity crisis in the Forest of Dean and the impact such loss of species has on the surrounding ecosystems. He hypothesises about how much worse that problem has the potential to get if we don't intervene, and he offers some ideas about how we might stem the bleeding and begin to heal the ecosystems in the Forest of Dean in the context of a biosphere reserve. I'm very grateful to Kevin for meeting with us for this chat, as it allowed us to build a more nuanced understanding of the ecosystems that make up the Forest of Dean and how they could be better protected. So without further ado, here's Kevin Stannard. Where do you see the forest in 5, 10, 50 years from now if we don't intervene or do anything about 
the lack of biodiversity right now. If we don't change our management practices and don't start to give nature space to do its own things, what we'll see is a continuation and probably um, a faster rate of tree disease coming in and the native tree stock dying. We've already got a big issue here with ash dieback and um, Phytophthora morum on the larches and the sweet chestnut. Acute oak decline, chronic oak decline could go on. There's hundreds of tree diseases that we're currently concerned about. So the health of the forest will decline. The space for natural processes um, created by grazing in open spaces will also decline. If you don't manage an open space in a forest like this, it will seed in and become fully treed. And again, people might assume that's a good thing in the forest to have lots and lots of trees. But if we don't get, keep that open space, you're closing down the biodiversity. You're, um, it's, as I've already explained, it becomes too dark and you don't get that vegetation coming through, that native vegetation or that range. So if we don't start doing those things now, we will be too late and the biodiversity crisis will have swept past and we will have lost species that we don't even recognise now as being important to the forest. I can't put my finger on say what we're going to lose next. Um, we've just had a major scare, well it's not a major scare, a major disaster really with crayfish. So we've had um, crayfish plague in the forest for the first time, well, probably not the first time, and we just lost hundreds of native crayfish from one of the brooks. And that type of unexpected disaster, ecological disaster, is just going to repeat unless we take this biodiversity crisis seriously and work with instead of against nature. So in five, ten years time, local people probably won't see a huge amount of difference, but in a hundred years time, what we should have here is a vibrant forest full of light, full of open space, full of plants, animals and insects thriving in a balanced way. Water coming off the forest should be clean and not full of silt as it is at the moment. We should be able to manage the worst effects of climate change um, with be, be able to manage that storm water flows by holding water up here longer. So what I'm, the picture I'm painting, I can't, exp, I can't describe what it will look like and I can't describe what it'll feel like. All I can say is in a hundred years time, you'll have fresh air, you'll have open space and you'll see wildlife and nature at its best. That's if what we're we aiming intervene. for. If we intervene. If we don't, it will just be year upon year of ecological loss. Mm. That's, that's what I'm afraid of. The crayfish disaster this year, we didn't see that one coming, but we've probably lost all the native crayfish out of the forest in one year. We're going to lose the ash. That's a given. We're going to lose the ash. The ash dieback disease is a fungal disease. It's been rife in continental Europe for many years, but because of um, global warming, climate change, it's gradually moved north um, and has crossed the channel a couple of years ago, um, first spotted in eastern England, but it's um, in the last two to three years it's hit the forest of Dean very badly, so we've had a lot of tree felling, sanitation fellings, particularly along the roadsides, and, and local people have noticed that. Um, acute and chronic oak decline, again, are getting worse because of a warming and wetter climate. So oak trees do not like getting their feet wet 
So if you've got an oak that's in good quality soil, but it gets waterlogged one year, dries out, waterlogged the next year, dries out, waterlogged the next year, then it's going to die. And that's a problem. And then we've also got an insect which is spreading a fungal disease on some of the oaks. And again, our forest research teams have now mapped that and can link it. I think they can link it to rainfall and the numbers of days of frost. And as that changes and as the number of days of frost reduce, so the range of that insect is spreading and taking that, that fungal disease further. So I do get confused which one's which, chronic oak decline and acute oak decline, but one of those will get worse simply because of the, the um, fact this insect is spreading out and taking that fungal spore with it. Um, and yeah, this is the forest of Dean is that quintessential English oak wood, or many people associated with it. So if we lose all the oaks from here, which is a possibility, and you lose all the ash, it is going to fundamentally change the forest. So we have got to give space for nature, maximise the opportunity for nature and our native species to thrive, and that will give the best possible future for this forest. So of course we're here to talk about potentially making the Forest of Dean into a biosphere. Um, how do you see that impacting the future biodiversity of the forest and the future of the forest in general? My aspiration for the biosphere is actually huge because if we can get a landscape designation for the forest that actually allows the forest to start expanding again, it's had centuries of contraction being squeezed into a smaller and smaller footprint. If we can now get that designation that allows us allows the forest to breathe out, to spread along the hedgerows, the grasslands on farms, through school playing fields with um, appropriate habitat management. Yes, have a place for kids to recreate, but also have a place for wildlife. If we can get that, what I suppose in planning terms is known as green infrastructure, right. So even when we do build new housing estates, there's fingers of wildlife friendly corridors feeding through, just allowing the forest to breathe out for nature to expand and spread. That is my aspiration. If we can actually link the forest back down to the River Severn, so you have the river, you have the, mar the wetlands, the salt marshes, wet woodland, then coming up onto the hill and the plateau into this drier forest, that gives wildlife and biodiversity and people a much bigger landscape to breathe, for natural processes to operate and for people to enjoy and spend time in. So I know that you're involved with the North Devon Biosphere Reserve um, and you've just made some really excellent points about, you know, it, this the biosphere reserve potential here is huge if we get it right. Um, so to you, I, what does that look like? How, how do we get it right? Do you have any kind of, this is something that we've got to really watch out for to make sure that we really get this new way of approaching the forest right? Yeah, Forestry England has woodlands down in the biosphere in North Devon. Um, and we've had involvement with, with them as well. But I think the fundamental ingredient for getting a biosphere right is community buy-in, community understanding why the landscape in their area is being challenged and is at risk from the biodiversity crisis and the climate change crisis. Why they're at risk and actually what they as individuals, as families, as householders can do to make a difference. 
that's the key thing for me is is un is getting the community to understand how their landscape works not just economically not just from a natural processes and native species point of view but actually how fundamentally integrated that is with well-being health and all of those aspirational targets education as well mm. all of this links together and the biosphere is one of those few mechanisms we have that can actually sew it all together and actually make, make an integrated functional whole. Thank you for listening to the Forest We Want podcast. More information about UNESCO Biosphere Reserves can be found simply by googling UNESCO Biosphere Reserve. And please remember to complete our short survey regarding the future of the Forest of Dean. You can find the link to this in the description for this podcast episode.